0: This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He yeah. is going to be in, touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge, runs in from 15 yards out, tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets, one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Robey nails it from three-point landing. And a good time
1: was had by all.
2: Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Another somewhat uh, remote edition as uh, I'm in studio this week. And Caleb is live from his home, his abode. Uh, it's, uh, it's, good to, it's good to be back with you. And uh, Caleb, it's good to see you digitally. Um, on our uh, on our little uh, show zoom call here yeah you and i
3: haven't seen each other in person in about two weeks now but <laughs> that's the that's the nice thing about technology if there's something going on and one of us needs to be at home right now that, or last week it was you this week it's me hopefully next week both in studio
2: yeah hopefully and uh we're gonna have a we're gonna have a real treat later we're gonna try this three different ways with chris basnett from the lincoln journal star um he's kind enough to uh to join us on our fun little zoom experiment uh with uh with his uh, guest appearance later today uh we'll chat with Baz about all things Huskers uh football basketball um last dance i'm sure he'll want to dig into that a little bit um one of the things that i was thinking about uh this week was just the way that all the the talk with um kind of how con- how how college football's going to come back How it might not come back if certain things happen. That conversation has really evolved. And I want to just I'm going to dispense with the pleasantries and just dig right into this because I'm really fascinated by this part of the conversation. You had you had uh, people who were willing to talk about it earlier, Caleb, say, you know what? I don't think we're going to be able to do this if if students aren't on campus like that Mm -hmm. was that was the the, you know, drop dead. Hey, we can't do this one if we can't have this. Uh, that was the, the main provision earlier on that, that folks were talking about. Now, you see people starting to relax that a little bit. They're like, oh, you know what? I don't think we want to make that our our standard because I don't know that that's going to happen uh, at every school across our conference. Uh, I, the the evolution on that is is really interesting because I read it as they are really trying not to paint themselves into too much of a corner because they know all of the budget's in all of the schools are so dependent upon football that if they don't have it in some form, it's really going to hurt.
3: Yeah, you you had, I think the biggest one that really changed the tune was the Big 12 commissioner, Bullsby, who was the one that was out front saying, if students aren't on campus, you cannot have student athletes competing. Bullsby, um, in this Brett McMurphy article um, with Stadium says, well, if there are online classes, maybe we can, we can still have the athletes competing. We had James Franklin, the Penn State football coach. Sorry, as my dog runs into my stand here as I many times as doing that. <laughs> um, the, you had James Franklin saying, well, even if not every school in the conference can compete right now, those that can should. So you're, you're starting to get a lot more loose on what the regulations are for teams being able to compete and what their expectations are this fall.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Brett McMurphy is the, the the writer who had this piece in stadium earlier this week. Um it came out, I think, on Thursday. Multiple conference commissioners basically changing their tune on whether or not they should be playing college football games without the entire student body allowed on campus. Um you have Bob Bowlsby and John Swafford, the the main ones quoted in there. Larry Scott's got a little bit in there too. Uh Bowlesby and Swafford, Caleb, both say, Yeah, I, I think that we can play even if students are on campus, even if uh, they're kind of subscribing to the James Franklin theory of, yeah, you know what, even if not all of the schools can do it, we should still play because 13 of the 14 or 12 or 11 of the 14 can. Uh, And then you have Larry Scott over in the Pac-12. He reiterated his point that it's still highly unlikely that that would occur with his conference. Uh, I... I don't know, and we've talked about this, there's not a czar or a, a commissioner of, of college football at large. The NCAA doesn't run it. Uh, I don't know that you'd have any easier time doing it that way because you'd have all these different commissioners trying to make the decision. Um, but if you... I don't, I don't know how you have the non-conference season go on when you have all these different conferences trying to ascribe to these different... Uh, different standards, different thresholds to meet. It's You might just have, you know, hey, play as many of the conference games as you can and get out next year. You also
3: had uh, this week, I believe it was the Oregon governor, said all yeah. events, sporting events through September mm-hmm. should be postponed, rescheduled. Um, so that throws in one for, for the Pac-12. PAC that throws in a giant wrench there. Yeah. Um, you talk about the non-conference. You've got the the few independents that are out there. I know people want to still play Notre Dame, but it, since Notre Dame's not in a conference, if your conference comes out, let's say the Big Ten says you, you just have to play a conference schedule, and then the Pac-12 says that as well. But what are a couple of the, the biggest Notre Dame games, Michigan and USC? Mm-hmm. Like th- th- Those are some of the bigger games that Notre Dame plays each year. You, auto- you automatically lose those. How does, how does Notre Dame fill out their schedule going forward? How does any... Independent fill out their schedule going forward without having that conference and then within a conference if you don't even have all of your schools that can go We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, dr. Chris Craddeville from UNMC on the uh, who's chairing the Big Ten task force on emerging infectious diseases How do you get an entire conference on one? Kind of level playing field that stretches from Nebraska all the way to the East Coast Yeah
2: I, you don't. And, and to your Notre Dame point, like Notre Dame's the ultimate contract exception. They were in the BCS. They are in the playoff. Um, they are probably as well for um, all these conference plans. Like, oh, no, we're not going to play any non-conference games. Well, except Notre Dame. Um, because, again, it all comes back to the money, um, which it, maybe it shouldn't. I think, I mean, obviously the money's a problem if you don't have it and your entire athletic department is dependent upon it. But we've this has been the the larger discussion outside of sports right it's do you do you skew more to the public health side or do you skew more to the economy side uh and and you know depending on your thoughts maybe it's a choice maybe it's not but clearly it's a balancing act and i i, I i'm glad i don't have to make the decision personally because yikes uh, but i just it 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 blows my mind that we are going like this is going to creep up faster than any of us think it will. Like it's May and we're all like, oh my gosh, football's so far away. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is next week as far as all these conference commissioners are concerned. They have to have these plans in place now. Um and and, and the thing that kind of comes back to all these discussions again is where is this virus? Who has this virus? It comes back to testing and tracing. Um, are those going to be available? Like, is it going to be kind of the wild, wild west, like it is with the 50 states right now, having to go all on their own? Is because the NCAA isn't going to be able to just like say, yeah, we're going to get all these tests and distribute them ourselves. No, the commissioners are going to be essentially like the governors in this scenario, and they're going to have to be, you know, maybe bidding against each other, uh, you know, fighting for those tests or uh, contact tracing or what have you. Like all these, all these different. Uh, resources that are so scarce now you're going to have sports organizations and colleges and universities within the NCAA fighting for these same resources now cool you you brought up the money part and that I think that
3: gets down to what what is a giant change for these these college commissioners and athletic directors if there is not a college football season the amount of tv money that gets lost on that like you can you can forget the amount of money they lose in, in home ticket sales Um, but the TV money that, that gets kind of lost in all that, I think that's caused a shift to, okay, well, at least if they're on online classes, we can find a way to to get the student athletes to, to play and you can have all those things. The other part of the money issue is you do not have, um, an, a name image likeness thing passed yet. So if you don't have any student athletes on campus or any students on campus at all, but then your student athletes are told to go out and play so your university can make money to to make the budget. How do you make those two pieces fit into that same puzzle of saying, well, it's amateurism. You guys still don't get to make any money from your name, image, likeness or from how you go out and, and play a game. But now we need you to go out and do that so our university can make a budget for this year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's a mess. Um, as as most uh, of these types of situations are, um, I mean, sports is kind of trivial when you think about other stuff that's going on, um, with you know the, the amount of people who are out of work and and whatnot. But it's so often the sports, uh, the the sports uh, events that come right after, you know, national tragedies and and, and things like that. That's what kind of gets people. Uh, a little bit of taste of reality. A little bit of taste of of what it was before this bad thing that happened happened. And right now, you don't have it. Like, you have the UFC event tonight. That's going to be, you know, the next thing. You've had this the last dance documentary. That's kind of gotten some people by. But uh, just a little bit of taste of... Nor- ESPN bought the rights to the Korean Baseball League. I mean, <laughs> we are desperate. We have hit complete desperation mode at this point. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in the fall if football as we know it isn't... Ha- and, and I mean football as we know it is not going to happen. You're not going to have 90,000 people tailgating and all filing into Memorial Stadium all at once. I, I I would be completely shocked if you had a normal, full Memorial Stadium experience. I don't know how that affects the sellout streak. We can get to that later maybe. Um, I, I think you just wipe away any, any sort of sellout obligations for this season, but that's the again, a a minor detail here, you're just searching for some sort of normalcy in sports is usually how you get it. And right now without it, people are just kind of grasping at straws for, for something like it.
3: We need it back, not just for our own sakes of what we watch and what feels normal, because right now all we have really is recruiting and then people getting angry at each other on Twitter and old alumni now having Twitter fights and that's the last thing any of us need right now is arguing over well, who's still a true Husker fan while there's no games going on? Who's trying to tell their kids that they should or shouldn't be a Husker? Oh my god. This is <laughs> it's it's out of hand right now. We need games back.
2: I hate to break it to you, Caleb, but that was happening before all of the COVID stuff came down. <laughs> like Tommy Frazier posting halftime comments during yeah. the Bo Pelini era. Oh, Fire on Twitter. Everybody but wants to take. At least at least at that time,
3: there were games going on yes. to be a little bit more of a distraction to go, oh, okay, this stuff was said, but now there's a game. Okay, now there's a volleyball game on Tuesday. And, and now we look and see, okay, this other news came out. We've got this from practice. And now there's another football game happens on a side. You at least have all that. Right yeah. now, what do we have? We have the Twitter fights. That's it. <laughs> that, that's all that comes out with any of the the stuff around recruiting. Right now, we should be in the middle of a baseball season and softball, and we should have seen what women's basketball did through the WNIT instead of Kate Kane going back and her whole family uh, kept getting coronavirus back in New York. There are so many different things that we should have right now, but we're stuck with the parts that are like, okay, how ugly can it
2: get? Not good, not good. And there's lots to work out. There's lots of stuff that we need to kind of figure out as a as, as a sports world um, as we understand more about how this virus is going to be affecting everything. Um, it, it, yeah, there's there's a lot of details to work out. I hope that most of the commissioners can kind of end up on the same page. I I, I mean, it's it's inevitable that somebody's going to say, "No, my idea is better than yours," so I'm going to do this differently. Like mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Uh, But you hope that you get some sort of uniformity, uh, that enough of these guys can agree on enough of the details to make it somewhat normal um, for this college football season uh, because I think it's going to be anything but um, for for the most part. Um, All right. Right now we're going to hit our first break. Um, Again, Chris Basnett from the Journal-Star is going to be joining us. Uh, We've got some basketball recruiting news from this week, some some bad, uh, some promising. Um, We'll get to that. Uh, more on the fall football discussion and and you you touched on it a little bit too Caleb uh, a little controversy with a an Iowa commitment this week uh, from a Husker legacy uh, a big offer going out for Nebraska football as well um, and that Kate Kane story that you brought up too there's a, a lot to get to yet this morning uh, thanks for being with us this is the KLI and Husker hour 1400
0: Klin uh-huh. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1400 KLIN.
2: KLIN Husker Hour rolling along here on your Saturday morning. I'm Cole Stukenholtz here in studio in the flesh. Caleb Henry, KLIN sports director, is not here. He's back at uh, Casa de Henry. Um, I, I, I understand that the dog has been neutralized. We're not going to have the thump 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 on your mic, so that's cool. As a uh,
3: Mark Vale would say, she has been exiled for the good of the realm. There you she go. Is, yeah, she's a uh, corralled onto the the balcony, which is fine for her yeah. because now she gets to watch her world, gets to watch her kingdom.
2: Yep.
3: Although right now she's very upset and just staring at me through the window. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll 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 press on.
2: I got the sense that. That I was going to get a similar type visit, but it would have been more disruptive from one of my uh children coming down the stairs to the basement but mm-hmm. uh, thankfully the wife uh she she kept things in line upstairs, so that didn't happen last week um, that would have been uh that would have been interesting uh let's uh, let's dig in a little bit to the the controversy that you wanted to to discuss a little bit, which I don't know that it's a controversy. It's just a decision by an eighteen-year-old kid as to where he's going go to go to college. Not not even eighteen yet. Probably mm-hmm. probably seventeen. Anyway, uh, Keegan Johnson, uh, he's a Husker legacy. Cluster Johnson's his dad. Played back for Nebraska back in the mid '90s. Won national championships. Uh, Cluster's uh, he's been pumping out the D1 uh, prospects. Uh, he's got one kid at Colorado, or not Colorado, Wyoming. Uh, he's got another kid up at South Dakota State. Now uh, Keegan. Athlete out of Bellevue West. Thank you. Mm-hmm. T-Birds. Uh yeah, there's a
3: lot of good athletes coming out of that Bellevue West program. Right yeah, that,
2: now. that's a that's a powerhouse, which is the exact opposite of what it was when I was in high school. Anyway, um he's he's one of the top three in-state prospects in the state of Nebraska, along with Avante Dickerson and Teddy Prahaska. Uh Keegan Johnson's going to Iowa, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Between Nebraska and Iowa, those were his two finalists. Chose the Hawkeyes. And the the hot takes ensued like, look, this is not an obligation just because your dad played at Nebraska that you have to go. Like there's mm-hmm. Nick Henrich is a recent example. He his dad had ties to Iowa. He came to Nebraska like you're, you're going to win some of these. You're going to lose some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, we can have the, the, the we'll get to the larger discussion in just a second. But I think initially this guy is looking for the best thing for him. Uh, One of the things that I think stuck out to me was stability. That was one of the things that he said that he talked about. Um, Mm Nebraska has been anything but. And meanwhile, Kirk Ferentz has been here since the last millennium. So (laughs) there's definitely more stability in Iowa City than there is in Lincoln. And you can't you can't knock the kid for that. Nebraska just doesn't have what he's looking for. That sucks. If you're a Nebraska fan that that hurts to say like It probably hurts you to your core to admit that out loud and know that it's right if you're a Nebraska fan, but that's accurate. And if that's what he's looking for, that's what he's getting in Iowa, and he would not have gotten that with Nebraska at this point.
3: You also have to look at opportunity. What did Nebraska bring in in this last recruiting class, even the recruiting class before that, for receivers? What does that depth chart look like? Um, who Who's really going to be ahead of him? And I think we all agree that, Wow, wide receivers really loaded up um, yep. over this last recruiting cycle. What did Iowa do? Well, Iowa graduated some guys. <laughs> like, and and you you look at that offense and you go, okay, maybe they don't hit the wide receivers so much as Nebraska does. They they really utilize that tight end, but there's not a lot of depth. If you can go be the guy or one of the top two guys at Iowa, you're going to get a lot of opportunities still. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's that's part of it is where's the stability been? i think no one would really argue that iowa has been definitely more stable um it's not like a, a 90s you're going to go win three championships in 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 a few years but they've been definitely more stable since that period and then what is what does the opportunity look like and right now if i'm if i was a wide receiver how, how can you say that the opportunity is not there a little bit if you want to get some earlier playing time
2: yeah i was having this discussion uh with a friend of mine the The fact that you have kids today coming into their recruiting cycles and their decisions and, and figuring out where they want to go, um, just, just some quick math here, they're 2021 high school seniors. Mm-hmm. That means they were born generally roughly around 2003. Uh, I didn't really start following college football until I was like eight or nine. Like mm-hmm. 92, 93, like what, right when Tommy Frazier was coming in, that was when I started going. I was born in 1984. Which um, would mean
3: these recruits don't know anything before Bo Pellini.
2: They don't know anything from the Big 12, Caleb. Yeah. Like they only know Nebraska and the Big 10. That blows my mind. If you think about this, these kids, like we've, we've talked about this for years already, not, not, not only just the 2021 kids, but for like the last three, four, five recruiting cycles. The kids who are deciding. You know, whether they're from Nebraska or not, their dad is the, the one who's like, oh, yeah, Nebraska was legit back in the day because they didn't know. Like mm-hmm. their memories of Nebraska, kids who were, you know, committing to Nebraska five, six years ago, they might have remembered Zach Taylor winning Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. Kids today it, it, who are deciding for 2021 class, they're looking at the, the NFL draft and they're like, wait, you're telling me the Bengals head coach? Was the Big Twelve offensive player of the year playing quarterback for Nebraska? What? Mm -hmm. Like they don't know. They they have no reference. Like forget the Big Eight when Nebraska was winning the the last you know the back to back national championships. They don't remember the Big Twelve anymore. (laughs) Their highlights of Nebraska, like the highest of highs for Nebraska, are Bo going six and zero before he got crushed in Indy by by Wisconsin in twenty twelve, and and the Mike Riley very brief twenty sixteen top 10 dance uh, for one week before they lost in overtime to Wisconsin and finished two and four down the stretch and then blew up in 2017. Those are your high water marks for kids deciding today. There's just not a lot of pull there in terms of Nebraska being a national power. It's so far past now that they don't understand it. They don't even fathom it. And it's a non-factor in their decision-making.
3: I hadn't even thought of the the conference portion of that. So so I'm glad you brought that up. But the the thing that has always kind of irked me a little bit is the when you go out and recruit guys, you got to get guys that are going to know that they're going to understand the tradition at Nebraska. They're going to know what it means to go out and win championships. Yeah. None of these guys were alive yeah. when those championships were won. These guys weren't. They haven't even been alive, let alone have a memory of Nebraska winning a conference championship. So there there are different things you have to do besides leaning on this is what the tradition is. This is what it looked like in the 90s and before. This is what it looked like under Tom Osborne. And I don't think Coach Frost is leaning on on that, nor do I think he should. I think he should lean on here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do. This is what the program is now. Because I think the more and more we look back, it just makes me think of run the ball guy. Okay, maybe you needed to run the ball. Sixty times a game back in 1974, and sure that was great, but that's not the way the the game is now. The game is completely different than it was in the 90s. The game is different than it was 15 years ago. We we talk about what Nebraska's done, but think about what USC did under Pete Carroll in those championships. Their recruits don't have memories of that either. Yeah, and that happened after Nebraska's championships. So you have different things going on. I just I don't like the we have to go back and talk about what the tradition is and they have to understand what that tradition is. That's not what these kids have growing up. That's not what their experience is growing up. So you have to find different ways to tap into those recruits and stability is one of those things that has worked well for Iowa. And that was one of the reasons they got that commitment this week.
2: Yeah, and and I know, I'm sure somebody's screaming at the radio right now, like, his dad played here in the 90s. He knows all about, like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Cluster Johnson was a big, I mean, he was a wide receiver in an option offense, but he's blocking downfield, he's making catches on third down on those, you know, those funky-looking option throws. Like, Cluster Johnson does understand it, and I would Mm -hmm. think that his kids have seen plenty of those highlights throughout their youth. That still doesn't factor in, as the main reason why a kid is going to go to where they're going to go. Like, I, I, you know, for some, there's probably a little bit of a pull to try to do what Dad did and, you know, want to make Dad proud and, and wear that same uniform. Um, and for some, that may not be as much of a factor. Maybe that was a really big factor for Keegan Johnson. And he's just, you know, he still had to weigh that with what he wanted to do. And maybe he wanted to carve his own path. And, mm-hmm. you know, he talked about the stability thing. And And look, if he's asking Dad about it, Dad's probably going to be honest with him. I would think he would want. I mean, I would. I would hope that he would be honest with his son and say, "Hey, do what's best for you. Don't worry about where I went. If you want to factor that in, that's your choice. Obviously, I went there. It'd be great to see that. But you know what? I'm gonna be proud of you wherever you go. I'm sure that was part of the conversation. There's not an. I. It, I. It's. Nebraska fans have this complex where. It, it's it, like something is ordained like this was hard work to get to the point where they are like the one thing that you can say about what Nebraska is doing now that ties back to the old days is like you can still say, Hey, Nebraska's an innovator. We're mm-hmm. doing things before anybody else is you had the, the weight room and, and the weightlifting with Boyd Epley and Husker power. Um, you had, you had that you had Tom Osborne always innovating on offense. He was doing some of the stuff with, um, you know, some of the some of the option looks from the shotgun with Scott Frost at quarterback in 97 that you're now seeing in the NFL. Like, F- Osborne is definitely an innovator as well. You have the NIL stuff with what Frost is doing with the university today. That is on the cutting edge, and that's definitely something that you can push and talk about. But beyond that, you got to get to winning on the field. Like, mm-hmm. flat out. There has to come a point in time where 20, 25 years of this hey, you know what, Nebraska's trending in the right direction, they're, they're, they're getting there, they're close, you have to be able to do it on the field at some point. You have to be able to produce, produce results, because ultimately if you don't produce results, you're going to continue this cycle of inconsistency. You're going to churn through assistants and head coaches over and over again, and you're not going to get the kids who want the type of stability that a school like Iowa, as tough as it is to say, a school like Iowa is offering that. And we
3: have to get away, we being the um, overarching we of Husker fans, um, because I would imagine not many folks listening to this aren't Husker fans in one way or another, but we, in general, have to get away from thinking that we are owed anything with recruits. Just because someone played at Nebraska, football, basketball, volleyball, any sport, we are not owed their offspring's loyalty. You, th- you think about what are, what are good parent child relationships. It's helping that child make the best decisions for them. We are not owed that child continuing their parents' legacy. And I know that's been a giant conversation over the last few years. The legacy kids that have been coming up that Nebraska has missed out on, um, including Heisman Trophy winner Joe Burrow, including recent transfer away from the program, Noah Vedral. We are not owed the legacies of what their parents did. And I think we really need to get away from it. Is it nice to have those kids? Of course, but we are not owed their offspring because of what they did 20 years ago.
2: Yeah, very true. And, and, you know, for some that's, Hey, that's tough. You know, we're, we're just, we're just not going to get all of them. Um, And that's the way it is. I don't know if, you know, some, some people will ever get that, but that's just, that's how it is. And if, if people are, you know you know eventually they'll figure that out but until then uh, people are just going to have to deal with it and just have fights on twitter about it i guess um <clears throat> very excited to see chris baznet who has joined us we're going to um we're going to hit our break here and get to him right after that hey sports yes <laughs> love it um we're very excited to try this uh we've got a three-way zoom call coming to you in our next segment um, it's going to be a uh, very exciting d- discussion with Chris Bassett from the Journal-Star. Uh, stick with us. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, back with more right after this.
0: Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN.
2: Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Had a good show so far, and it's just about to get even better because right now, not on the phone, not on the phone, on the Internet, through the magic of Zoom, we have Chris Baznett from the Lincoln Journal-Star joining Caleb and I right now. Uh, Baz, how have you been living during the quarantine life?
1: This is my first ever Zoom call. So uh, I'm very excited about that. Other than that, I've been very bored. I sit at home. I, uh, I play with my dog. He's laying down in front of the desk right now. Yep. And uh, I just hang out and wait to come on the air with you guys pretty much.
2: Well, I, I'm glad that you have. Uh, we, we do want to get to quite a bit. I want to start with something we haven't hit on yet today, and that's the Nebraska basketball recruiting news. Um, Sanogo was a no-go. Um, judges, is that okay? Boo, No, eh. no. Eh. no. I'll, I'll allow it. Um, He, he was, I mean, it was, everybody thought Nebraska or Seton Hall and he goes to UConn instead. Um, So Nebraska kind of has to go to a plan B. Uh, Baz, what was uh, the thinking behind uh, what Hoiberg and folks were, were doing Um, Were they, were they counting on this one? And they did have a plan B just kind of a, you know, just in case, or was this maybe something that they thought might happen and, and who are they talking to now?
1: Yeah, I I think it was, certainly a little bit of a surprise uh, to Nebraska. You know, I think a lot of people close to the program who had kind of been following this thought Nebraska had a pretty good chance to get this guy. And a lot of that goes to, to Matt abdel recruiting ties on the East Coast. Of course, Adama Snogo uh, attends high school in New Jersey. And it's, I, I don't want to say Nebraska was shocked by it because like you said, I think Seton Hall uh, was also uh, a team that, that was in the mix for for him. But, I think UConn kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, even though they were one of his finalists, you know, it seems like that was kind of a, almost a last minute deal, almost a last minute flip, whether, whether Sonoga was going to choose Seton Hall or Nebraska. I think UConn was able to kind of swoop in there at the end. So probably some surprise. Um, I don't think you're ever totally surprised in recruiting, especially basketball recruiting. And, yeah, so there's always a plan B. Uh, you know, later that same day, uh, Nebraska talked to a kid by the name of Gabe Wisnitzer, who's a six eleven, two hundred forty pounder. Uh, went to Hargrave Military Academy in Virginia this last year, and not a top fifty kid like Sonogo, but you know, still a top one fifty kid. Obviously, a lot of size, able to face up and kind of play play facing the basket a little bit and shoot the three a little bit. Maybe a little bit more advanced offensive game than what Sonogo had, but certainly not the not the rebounder and defender that that Sonogo is.
2: Talking with Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star about husker hoops uh, we we've talked about this a little bit on the show over the last few weeks chris and it's how Nebraska is going to try to do what folks who have you know a, a couple of bigs do uh, in terms of their like rebounding and their their plan with size Nebraska doesn't have you know your prototypical center i don't know that they really ever will again it seems like you know Alex March was a unicorn at this point we we think but uh you got Ivan Wadrogo you got Derek Walker who's six eight. Um De- Delano Banton is also six eight, but he's more of a guard. Uh Lat Mayan, who's coming in as a transfer this year, six nine. They're just kinda kinda they're just gonna kinda, you know, do it by committee, right? That's kinda how they're gonna have to operate in terms of uh the, the size and, and rebounding against some of the teams in the Big Ten, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Not landing Adama Sinogo doesn't mean that Nebraska doesn't have any size up front. And you just mentioned all the guys. I I think Shamil Stevenson's a guy that's going to be able to really rebound the ball for them. Yeah. I think uh, I think Teddy Allen can rebound the ball a little bit for them. He averaged almost eight rebounds a game at, at the JUCO level, and is a great athlete. You know, I think some of the guards Nebraska is bringing in, if they're able to get eligible, Kobe King especially is a really good rebounder for his position. So. Nebraska has guys to rebound and will be a better rebounding team than they were last year, just because they're going to be more physical. They're going to be more athletic and they're going to be a little more, a little deeper. A guy like, like way Drogo's got that year of experience now and kind of understands, what it's like, we all saw what he did, you know, the last month of the season, he really took a big step forward. So yeah, it's, it's not necessarily ever going to be, you know, one guy uh, for Nebraska. I, I don't, like you said, they'll, they'll probably never have a traditional center in that sense, but you know, if you've got a bunch of six eight six nine guys that are really athletic and long and can jump, then, then you'll be able to do all right on the boards.
3: Uh, Baz, Cole and I last week, we talked about the incoming sharpshooter uh, making that jump from D2 to D1, and Nebraska has had a little bit of success, and I know someone that you're kind of familiar with. Was a guy who made that D two to D one jump. Drake Beronic, uh, the the Ravenna alum, now Carney High boys basketball coach. What what does that jump like? And I, I think he's going to have to sit out this next year. But how much does spreading the floor with a guy who's six seven six eight and shoots from thirty feet out?
1: Yeah, it's I, it's it's an interesting experiment. You're right. You know, I would have liked to have seen Drake baronic play in Fred Hoiberg's offense. He of course played for <laughs> for Doc Sather, and they they just played a different way. You know, there's no good bad or otherwise about it, but It'd have been interesting to see Drake in this offense. I think this is a guy that can make the transition because he has the size. He's six seven two thirty. You know, it's not like he's a string bean out there. He's got the build that you that you need to play at this level. It's just can he adjust to the speed of the game? Can he adjust to defenses closing out on him a little quicker and maybe game planning for him a little more? Even though he was the leading scorer at, at his at the University of Indianapolis, which is a really good Division two program, it's it's going to be interesting. And I think that that sit out year. really going to be helpful for him and i think that's something he's realized too if you talk to him he's he's more than willing to take that sit out year and be able to adjust and and kind of learn how to get his shot off maybe a little quicker and the fact that his range does go out so far i think helps him too because it's just you know even in even in the world of modern basketball it's still not natural to go out and have to guard you know 30 feet from the basket especially a guy that's six seven. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting experiment. I think the way Nebraska plays is really going to benefit him. And if he's able to go out and do what he did at the D at the D2 level, even if he's not scoring as many points, that's something that's going to be huge for Nebraska the next couple of years.
2: Chris Bazin joining the show here on, uh, on a Saturday morning. He's from the Lincoln journal star, of course. And one of the, I want to switch gears and go to football here. Uh, a couple of the things that have happened this week uh, do involve recruiting uh, one of them is more of a happier story that I'll let Caleb take. Um, me, however, I'm going to get you to wade into the the toxic waters of the legacy discussion.
1: It, you are pretty toxic. <laughs> so I, not surprising. The,
2: the the stuff coming out about Keegan Johnson, he obviously committed to Iowa over Nebraska. Dad's cluster, played in the 90s, won national championships. <sighs> obviously, Nebraska is not what, it, what we were just having this discussion before you jumped on, Baz, where Caleb and I realized – that kids who are in the 2021 class were seven when Nebraska jumped to the Big Ten. Like they don't mm-hmm. even remember the Big Twelve days. Um, where do you come down on this? Where you have Nebraska is kind of trying to still hang on to their their history, but it's getting so far back in the rearview mirror. Like how much of it can even factor into kids' decisions even more anymore? Even if their dad played for and won national championships when they played at Nebraska.
1: Yeah, you, you got to win games eventually. I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? It doesn't matter if you're Nebraska or Colorado or Clemson or, or whoever, you know, if Nebraska's winning 10 games every year, then maybe, maybe those two guys, Avante Dickerson and Keegan Johnson, maybe they do come to Nebraska, but you know, I was telling, talking to somebody else about this a, a couple of days ago. Those guys see the Minnesota scores when they play Nebraska. Those guys see the Iowa scores when they play Nebraska. They see who's winning those games. They see who's producing the most, more draft picks. You know, they see Minnesota go into a bowl game and and, and manhandle Auburn, you know, for the most part. And Nebraska's not doing that right now. And I think these things, we try to make them really complicated sometimes. I don't know that this is all that complicated. You know, Nebraska's a five and seven football team who struggles to beat Minnesota and obviously struggles to beat Iowa, you know, and Omaha right now is as talented as as maybe it's ever been on the football side with the depth of talent. And it's Nebraska can't just walk in there anymore and, and pluck the guys out. They want to get, there's going to be more competition. I think there's a couple factors there. So yeah, it's, it's a deal where, Winning solves a lot of problems, and that's any sport, that's any school. If Nebraska starts winning more games, if they start beating Iowa, if they start beating Minnesota consistently, then maybe those guys have a little easier decision when it comes to, to choosing Nebraska. But but until Nebraska's able to do that, you know, it's going to be a battle, especially with the talent level where it is right now in Omaha.
3: Baz, you and I were talking uh, Lou Platt conference stuff off the air before we came on. You played in the Lou Platt. I played in the Lou Platt. Coach Scott Frost played in the Lou Platt. Kearney Catholic mm-hmm few years ago used to be as well but Heinrich Harburg the their quarterback there he got an got an offer how rare is it for that quarterback offer but also for someone who plays class c football they're, they're not the the Lincoln and Omaha area
1: yeah really rare really rare I think it's the uh, it's the first uh, in-state quarterback Nebraska's offered in what 15 years, something like that, which, and that's just anywhere. That's, that's Lincoln, Omaha, you know, Grand Island, Kearney, North Platte. That doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's just really rare. And it's, it's obviously rare at the, at the C1 level, you know, you think, uh, you think of Nebraska rosters from recent years and, you know, the the one name that jumps out and now I'm going to forget his name, White, Mazur, you know, played C1 football. And that's maybe the one guy you think of from that level that that's really contributed the last couple of years. So yeah, he's a he's a unique talent, and he plays in assistant at Carnegie Catholic where he can showcase his skills. They spread it out and throw it a lot and run the quarterback, so he's able to to put a, a really good film out there as opposed to a kid at you know a, a Luke City or a Ravana who maybe hands it off thirty or forty times a game. It, it's just different, you know. So it, yeah, it's it's unique and, and it's it's a. Heinrich Harburg is is a unique player certainly at that level and he obviously fits what Nebraska likes to do he has the ability to throw the ball he's shown he can run it a little bit and he's got that on film and, and it's just a combination that you don't see come around a whole lot a for kids from that level and b for kids from that part of the state that they just don't come around very often you know it's it's Scott Frost you think of quarterbacks from that area it's Scott Frost and Heinrich Harburg is probably the next one that that would play at Nebraska Monte Cristo maybe you throw in there from Kearney High but yeah, it's 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 a rare deal for sure.
2: Fun fact: Monte Cristo was uh, once my little league baseball coach.
1: There you go. Yeah, I was born in. Class. His son's a pretty good baseball player now. That's how yeah. old we're getting.
2: Yeah, Drew. Drew will. Uh, Drew's committed. Hey, there's there's a legacy. Who there's an in-state kid. <laughs> yeah, from Omaha. He's supposed to come coming here, to Nebraska. Right? Obligated. Um, Caleb, go ahead. Sorry, you were talking.
3: Oh no! As soon as we started talking about legacies, <laughs> I forgot everything again. All right. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll, I'll I'll pick this back up. We'll wrap up with this, Baz. Uh, We were talking earlier about the Brett McMurphy article, how he started getting into conference commissioner conversations, how you're trying to figure out how you might be able to play this fall. If students aren't on campus, if not all conference schools are able to have students on campus, but most are Um, if some conferences want to do it, but some others conferences don't like, I don't, I personally, I I don't think we're going to see anything close to the normal experience of college football this fall. Hopefully it exists in some form or fashion, Um, but where, where, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible, but I'm going to ask anyway, because you're our guest, (laughs) what do you think happens with this? And and how do you think these conference commissioners can come to these decisions with all the different factors and and different things changing here periodically as well?
1: Yeah, I think we play at some point because there's too much money to be made. Uh, and that's just the fact of it, you know, and what, how, it, how it ends up looking, who knows, is it just the SEC and the big 10 that, you know, line up and play, you know, does it do other conferences try to get involved does, does part of the big 10 play. And maybe, you know, Rutgers doesn't because they're in a hot spot? or I, I think everything's on the table right now. And I think anybody that tells you they know what's going to happen is lying to you because we, we just don't know. I think we play at some point because like I said, there's this, there's so much money tied up in, in college football. And these universities, these athletic departments, especially rely so much on that income from football. And it's maybe a little different in the big 10, you know, at a place like Nebraska, where you've got so much money coming in from the big 10 network, you, you've been smart with the way you've, you've kind of put money in reserve uh, for whatever occasion turns out it's a global pandemic right now. But um it's, it's going to be different for every school, I think. It's it's not just conference to conference. I think it's going to be school to school. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's all about the dollar, right? And so if, if schools are going to play, they're going to play, whether that's in September, whether that's in December, whether that's next spring, who knows. But I, I, I think we'll play sometime because there's too much money to be made out
2: there. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I thought of one more real quick. Uh, if you had... Uh, a 48 hour vacation that the Journal Star was giving you a la Dennis Rodman with the Bulls. Where would you go and how long would you actually milk that uh, past the 48 Whoa. hours?
1: Hawaii in two weeks, probably. They have to send that. That'd be the easy one because it's Sippel warm all the time. You, right? Especially if I'm playing basketball and I'm taking that vacation in like January, <laughs> I'm definitely going somewhere warm for a couple of weeks.
2: They're going to have to send Sippel after you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, he won't find me though. I can tell you that. <laughs>
2: Uh, Very nice. All right, Chris Basnett, Journal Star, uh, joining us here via Zoom on the KLI and Husker Hour. Very cool. It all worked out. Uh, Thanks a lot for the time. We will uh, do it again soon.
1: Thanks, guys. Take care.
2: All right, Chris Basnett uh, from the Lincoln Journal Star. Um, Let's uh, dig into uh, another break here uh, as we continue on. Um, We've got a little bit more to cover. Got the the very interesting story of uh, a Husker athlete with her family catching the virus all of them um, you know how they how they got through it, uh, it it's something we're gonna dig into next um, and, and something that unfortunately is becoming all too prevalent in uh, in the world today including sports that's back after this
0: talking with current and former huskers and those who cover the big red this is the Klin husker hour on Lincoln's Husker radio 1400 Klin.
2: If you just listened to the last segment, you just listened to History, the first and Husker Hour guest Zoom call with uh, Baz from Journal Star. It worked out pretty well.
3: It's exciting the things that we can do with technology. I know we talk on uh, Road to Recovery during the week on its silver lining. What are things that we can take away that are kind of positives that are uh, the fallout from the the covid-19 pandemic a lot of people being at home more a lot less contact this is one of those silver linings on hey this actually it, it's nice to be able to to look at the guest mm-hmm. while we're talking to him yeah. um as opposed to and i know over the phone is something we've done forever but it's just it's it's a nice thing that that's come out of this
2: yeah and and obviously it'd be nicer to have you know bads in studio he's come in studio before with uh yeah. with our uh, nebraska basketball preview show and whatnot but yeah it's uh it, it is cool and and you know hopefully something we'll be able to uh we'll we'll be able to do again here uh, with other guests coming up here soon um all right, I wanted to get into this uh this you know, obviously we are uh doing this show remotely uh caleb you you were tested negative yep. for for uh covid but uh still just as a precaution uh gonna work from home uh this week and and so you're there I'm here, obviously we're in the age of the coronavirus where we're trying to social distance and it's affecting everything and Nebraska athletics is not immune from it by any means. And uh, the big story uh, that came out here recently was the Kate Kane story, Uh, Nebraska shot blocking wizard. Um, She and her whole family, it was her, her two brothers and both of her parents. um, Mm -hmm. And she's from New York. Uh, Her dad works at West point uh, for the army Corps of engineers. Um, He's an essential worker and, and all, all five of them, had the coronavirus, um, they're they're all okay. They all recovered, but um, yeah, Caleb, it's just one of those things where we're seeing and hearing a lot more of these stories, and, and it's starting to hit uh, more of the Nebraska side too.
3: Yeah, this is one of the things I know we we've talked a lot about who volleyball has back on campus, um, but but basketball especially, we talked about they were they were gearing up for that WNIT possible run, mm-hmm. um, but then as soon as online classes or everything went to online classes and campus shut down and they weren't able to practice Kate Kane along with a number of other folks went back home to wherever they're from she happens to be from New York which as we know when all of that happened New York was the hot zone of hot zones in the United States well she's there and they find out that her someone at her dad's uh, office has tested positive so then he starts to not feel well mom starts to not or her brother starts to not feel well And then they get tested. Well, they all end up having it. Um, She happens to be one that was asymptomatic. So uh, she had it, but obviously did not have a bunch of uh, ill effects. So thank goodness for that part. But her mom was actually hospitalized for a time because she had a surgery, uh, I believe, for a kidney during uh, Kate's freshman year. So her medicine that she has for that weakens her immune system. So that's one of those things that you look at and you go, this is something that, yes, it's happening on the East Coast, or yes, it's happening on the West Coast, and now definitely we're seeing it happen here. But it really affects us back home here in Husker Nation, with where all these student athletes, when they go home, their families. It's Husker Nation is much more than the uh, six, seven hundred athletes that end up on Lincoln's campus. It's the, it's their families as well, and um, we're we're all thankful here. I know at Husker Hour that uh, the Kane family is is doing well from from everything we've last heard. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: one of the things we we talked about how kind of sports can can kind of bring people back and uh, kind of get people a sense of normalcy in a, after a time of tragedy. Uh, I think sports also can have the tendency to kind of slap you across the face and say, hey, this is happening everywhere. Um, that day that Nebraska was out in Indianapolis at the Big Ten tournament and Fred Hoiberg dealt with his issue, mm-hmm. that was the same day that Rudy Gilbert tested positive for the Utah Jazz and the NBA shut down. I think that was a huge wake-up call for a lot of people across the country who were still just like, "Oh, well, this isn't going to happen in the U.S." Um, And and I think everybody is understanding that this is a real thing. But even to that point, Nebraska has been kind of dealing with an upward slope. Maybe folks are starting to figure it out. But as Nebraska athletes, um, Mm -hmm. a football player hasn't tested positive. I think that would be you know, if Adrian Martinez did, you know, that would be you know, front-page story for for weeks. A, A really good, you know. Very, you know, very good player for women's basketball, um, maybe the best player on the team, um, especially with her defensive presence. I mean, this was something else just to hit home for a lot of people, I think. And um, like you like you mentioned, with her mother, she she had, you know, kind of one of those preexisting conditions with the genetic kidney disorder that made her a lot more susceptible to it. Thankfully, she pulled through. Um, but it's it's going to be it's going to continue like this is not this is not where this ends. You're going to see more of these stories, I think, unfortunately. Um, that that tie back to Nebraska athletics, and it, you just you just hope that you know people are still trying to stay as safe as possible, uh, even as things start to reopen back up, uh, because there, there there's a lot of family members. Even though these high school these high school and college athletes, they're they're usually pretty good, right? They don't have things wrong with them because they're able to perform. Um, and 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 it's the family members, it's the the people in their lives who are susceptible that you worry about.
3: And we are since since you brought up that that uh, that date that the Nebraska was at the conference tournament. That's the same day that Rudy Gobert tested positive. That was the same day that we learned that down in Australia it was Tom Hanks. So all of a sudden it's a famous person too, um, who's tested. That was March 11th. We're two days away from being two months without Husker sports. Yeah. Um. Obviously here in the state of Nebraska we got uh, state boys basketball. Went a couple more days. That went to the 14th. We're less than a week away from saying it's been two full months since we've had sports in the state of Nebraska.
2: Crazy. Yeah, it, it is what it is, and, and it's not gonna you know, it's not gonna change for a little while. So it's we are we are into you know some strange territory. Have been for a while, and and you know it's kind of remains to be seen when we get out of it. One thing we do have though, we have really really hot takes on Twitter. Those will never go away, ever. Um, And we got uh, a little bit more of us. Uh, We're still going every week. Uh, We'll uh, be back to wrap this thing up uh, right after this, another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour.
0: You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. All
2: right, back to wrap this thing up. uh, Our thanks to Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star, joined us earlier. If you missed it, uh, always catch up with our show on the KLIN.com podcast page. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well, at KLIN Huskers. Uh, Caleb Henry, Cole Stukenholz here with you, closing this thing out on a Saturday morning. Um, and and Caleb, we didn't hear anything from the Big Ten this week. Uh, um, we we
3: did get one
2: thing on Monday.
3: Okay, um, yeah. uh, I, I, I just remembered that. So they're... Uh, suspension of organized team activities was supposed to end on May 4th. Um, while it was going yeah. through May 4th, the Big Ten came out and extended that. That now goes through June 1st. So for this entirety of the month of May, you cannot have those organized um, team activities. They can still have Zoom calls. You can still have the, the individual kind of workout stuff, but the uh, you can't get the groups together. And I know that's one of the things coaches, especially coaches like John Cook, who are not used to sitting and waiting for things they they're really itching to get those things back going
2: yeah yeah all these coaches i feel like are those types of personalities where they're like yeah uh i i have no control over this and i'm used to control uh so that's difficult <laughs> i would imagine um and i mean even even us to a certain extent i mean fans have you know a certain amount of control like you can you you have this this score app on your phone and and you get mm-hmm. these these you know your content comes when you want it uh, yeah everybody's in that same boat you don't have uh you don't have any of that control um we do however uh there's ufc tonight if you're into that sort of thing uh korean baseball is live on espn and getting replayed all the time uh, taiwan course, baseball had fans at in the yeah, crowd that's right. yesterday that's right go guardians um and then you also have uh last dance uh episodes seven and eight on sunday there's still some sports out there um of course if you need uh if you need to argue about whether uh, a legacy on, um, at Nebraska should be going to somewhere, you can always do that on Twitter.com, of course. Uh, Caleb, good to see your face. Uh, we will see you hopefully in person next week, and we will talk to all of you next week. Go Big Red.